Okay, right. So, um, welcome to episode one of L Art Podcast. The L standing for love, local, anything that you can think of to do with art that begins with L. Um, so, for sure, LART. <laughs> so, it's L Art Podcast, uh, and it's uh, me, Jason Hatt, uh, talking to Alex Small about his art today. Um, we're linking this in with an exhibition at the Hatbox Salon in Northampton, um, which will be the sort of premiere exhibition that we have, the first one that we're ever going to have. Um, and Alex has kindly agreed to be a part of that. Um, so we're going to talk to Alex a little bit about his work, his, his life, his history and art and what inspires him and what got him into doing art in the first place. And uh, yeah, so we'll see how we get on. Okay, so welcome Alex Small. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Okay, right. Well, that's a good start. <laughs> In the happy place of the studio. Yeah, so I was going to mention that to start with. So the idea really with this podcast is that any artist that agreed to show at Hatbox um, will do the podcast with them. And, uh, and also what I wanted to do was kind of like interview whoever's on the podcast at a place uh, where they do their work or that they found inspiring. Um, so we are at Intercession, which is in the Albion Brewery building. Yeah, that's right. yeah next to it. Yeah, next to it, um, which is uh, a really, really great art space. And Alex has shown me around. And uh, do you want to talk a little bit about Intercession? Yeah, um, well, Intercession is run by Pauline Wood. Um, we did quite a few exhibitions previously, about two years worth, a uh, programme of various artists um, coming from London, other places in the UK, uh, into town, so a bit of variety for the town. Um, we've had ceramicists, printmakers, it's mostly, uh, the focus is mostly uh, printmaking, mm. but that's kind of uh, expanded printmaking. So you know, it, it's it goes to video to drawing to ceramics as well. Cool. Uh, yeah. Um, since I mean, obviously since the pandemic, not been up so much. But <laughs> I should probably mention that we are doing this recording well during or during coronavirus so um we're sitting in a room we're sort of socially distanced aren't we alex yeah cool. Yeah. we've got windows open so i was just going to mention we have got a window open so we might get some interference noise but never mind um so yeah and i've had a look around it's a really cool place and uh what would you say about the printing machine that you've got here that really old thing out there uh the, yeah the star wheel press um it's well an amazing bit of kit it's i think it's 200 years old so that's pretty old yeah it's got a, a good a good innings um and it's an absolute pleasure to work on uh it's got a, a really big it's called a star wheel yeah that um that you use to pull the prints through so it's quite a satisfying uh tool yeah <laughs> you have to like yeah you know Quite a physical process. Really, really lucky to be able to use it, yeah. really. So some of the prints that you've shown me this morning that are going to be in the exhibition, well, all the prints have gone through that, haven't they? Am I right? 
That's right. Yeah, yeah. they're all um, monotypes. Yeah. So. So what's interesting to me is like you say it's two hundred years old. Yeah. But yet the work that you're putting through it, when it comes out the other end, it's it's like it's really now, and it yeah. feels and it's really current, and it's got a real sort of edge to it. So. In a weird way, the fact that this is such an old piece of kit has really created something that's really fresh. Yeah, I mean that's, that's kind of like the beauty of the medium that is printmaking. Is you know there's, there's quite a long tradition to it. It's it's historical in in certain ways, but it is very much contemporary um, endeavour. Uh, the graphical qualities of print and the um, the kind of well the way that I use it as well found imagery and reproducing imagery you know it's a really useful medium that's the best way of doing it yeah I guess it's like painting in a way it's yeah. quite the best way well I mean like I'll fess up right now I mean I'm interviewing you but I don't really know anything about art I dabble I do a little bit myself but um, like I sort of explained to you before, I don't really know any art history, but I do love art. And so we were just talking about your prints and how amazing I think they are. They're incredible. And I hope when people see them that they have the same response. I'm sure they will. So do you want to sort of like, now we sort of talked about intercession and the reason we're here and you do some of your work here and the printing machine, which is incredible. Um, do you want to sort of talk a little bit about who you are and the sort of things that you like to do? Yeah, um, well, I'm, I'm Alex Small, full-time artist at the moment, based, based in Northampton, from Northampton. I've been, been away to study in Bristol and London, and I do a lot of art, really. It's, it's been my main thing since as long as I can remember. Mm. Um, so... Whether I'm working other jobs or doing this full time, it's always been my, my sort of primary focus. Which so is, you were born with a paintbrush in your hand, is that what you're saying? Yeah, you could say that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a pencil, <laughs> or a, uh, a biro. Or, yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, just like literally I've always, always done it and then luckily enough been encouraged to do, yeah. carry on with it as well. So with your, I suppose with your history you know when you were a child and things were you sort of really encouraged through to do art then or yeah is there something there at that time do you think yeah I think I um, probably come from like creative parents not necessarily artists themselves but you know as many people have lots of uh, creative elements in their lives don't they yeah um, so yeah it's kind of like like lucky in that way to be encouraged to uh do it really because I mean sometimes there's a lot you can have a lot of problems if you're dis discouraged from creativity <laughs> uh, I think yeah but so yeah it's always been a, a kind of a point of reference for yeah. me all through life all yeah. through various events and it's I suppose in one way it's kind of a consistent thing, uh, especially like having a studio. It's it's the one thing that's been consistent. Yeah. For Do you think that's important to be able yeah. to sort of separate certain like your life at home to be able to come out and have a studio to go to? 
Yeah, really, like really important. I mean, current circumstances, people working from home more, and like obviously do a bit of work from home. Is it? I mean, has that affected you? Yeah, because I I will spend all day, every day in the studio. I can. <laughs> Uh, doing stuff, whether that's making art or looking out the window or whatever, researching, yeah. or just being in the space and being with the art, um, it's you know it's something I love doing. So to have have a kind of a change in pace, I guess, to not being able to do that, it's quite um, it's quite a change, really. It's mm. quite a difference. It's, I mean, lucky because I can come come to intercession yeah and use that do you think because um, <clears throat> I was saying earlier about like how great this current sort of bit of work that you're producing really really is do you reckon that you've produced this because coronavirus has happened and you sort of like limited to what you could do or do you think this is what would have happened did you I mean at the, before we sort of entered the pandemic were you heading in this direction uh, yeah, I think I think in terms of like the themes in the work and the kind of what I do to work perhaps is is the same, but the big difference was how I was working. So kind of more structured because mm. of the, the parameters around that. So you know, for example, we're booking the space, so we use it on our own within the guidelines, sort of thing. Um, that's that kind of structures my time in terms of like right I've got today to do some art whether you feel like it or not it's kind of different to how I would work before where yeah I'll go to the studio spend all day in there maybe not do so much yeah maybe do a lot maybe stay there all night so this is interesting because this is like you're you're renting the space to do art so you've got a say to yourself well I'm you know like if you went to your uh, your space where you'd normally go you'd go in if you felt like it you would do some if you didn't okay that's fine but really right now you're kind of like saying okay I've got a certain time that I'm going to do some art yeah I think I mean there is that is there normally because obviously you're trying to make some kind of a live it to have have your mind really focused I mean it's not just in art but focusing of the mind for yeah. pandemic <laughs> things is like you know it really sort of it really kind of helps to get on with stuff because i mean you know people have have lost their lives over the past year and you know yeah. i mean if there's a time to try things in the studio it's probably like you know you've got to be getting on with it yeah, that's interesting because mm. I, I suppose i was imagining the opposite in a way that You've got to, you've got a certain time where you know you've got to do something, you book it, and you're kind of like, because, you know, I suppose like I'm thinking art's spontaneous, but I suppose uh, I suppose it doesn't have to be like that. I suppose you can be... Yeah, I think there is spontaneity to it. That it's, what it is is kind of like managing that. So, like being, ideally, when you're feeling spontaneity, yeah. uh, you'll be in the studio to do that, so... Yeah. When that happens, that's brilliant. Yeah. You know, get the tunes on, have a session, yeah. and it's it's good all around. And you might get some good results, might not, you know. Um, but when when it's like when you're kind of like limited to like I can only go in that day or this day, 
which is you know often the case when you work in other jobs as well and things mm. like that. Um, it's kind of like you can catch that spontaneity easier because you've got more time to catch it. But when when it's kind of limited, so like for example, I mean one one day I came here and I don't think I did any painting or printing. I was just like doing admin really, and I was having a good think. I got my paintings out and. Yeah. Cause I was having a good think about them and you know pondering things and got the news on and whatever. So to look at that, you'd go, well, you haven't got any, you haven't made anything that session, but there's a whole load of other stuff going on in the head, yeah. you know, in the brain, thinking about stuff. That's interesting. Ideas yeah. popping up. Mm. Yeah, it's that it's that managing because you can't really go. This is the kind of difficulty with creativity and deadlines which you, you definitely need deadlines to get things done and they do help. But there's a kind of like, with pure creativity, there's a really, there's a deadline and you're trying to cram it in. Mm. It just doesn't work. Yeah. It's like, so you've got to be ahead a little bit really. So, you know, have a kind of a managed way into these things. So yeah. potentially, I guess with art, that's probably having some work ready whilst working on some other stuff. It's saying about deadlines, I mean, we have a mutual friend, Bill Pollard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I said to him, after the, uh, the advent calendar thing, oh, we should talk about that because this is your oh, yeah, idea yeah. and Bill's idea, yeah. so we should talk about that a bit. Um, I, so there was a, an idea that you two guys had and you came together over um, doing mm. an outside interactive advent calendar where... Um, you supplied us all with a wine box crate sort of thing and a door <laughs> and we had to take it away and do our whatever we wanted and uh, and we all had a dedicated day and uh, I think mine was the 5th if I remember rightly and yours was the 11th, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, we could do whatever we want. It didn't have to be Christmassy or anything like that. So, and it was such a great thing. And, and um, in Northampton, where we are, there's a race course park um, that used to be a race course years gone by. And uh, and Bill lives opposite, and he, he just put one up a day, didn't he? So like from the first to the twenty fourth, one up one up every day. And it was such a fantastic thing. But I said to Bill next time you do something like that, can you tell me a deadline that's two weeks before the actual deadline? Yeah. Because <laughs> and I should imagine I'm not alone in this, but I was, I was sort of doing it the day before, yeah. two days before. I was like, right, I've got my idea, I'm going to do it. And then I was doing it till like three or four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And it, it sort of struck me that I've realised now that I've got to a certain age that deadlines for me are a bad thing in some ways because like, I leave everything to the last minute yeah, yeah. and then you're panicking. So, so basically my, my point to Bill was like, can you tell me next year, two weeks, say it's two weeks before the actual deadline and then I'll land it in and then you can say, oh, you've got another two weeks if you want to mess around with it. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, that, I have a similar process to be honest. Because, <laughs> yeah, I often think, uh, I, I like to think of the, um, the white, White heat of creation just before the deadline. Yeah, moment. Love that. Some, some of the yeah, yeah. <laughs> some of the best <laughs> moment, moments of uh, creation to uh, take that type, that uh, moment in time yeah. to take place. But yeah, I often have to do that myself. Like yeah. you know, pretend there's a, a sub deadline. Yeah, because like I mean, if there's no deadline, 
that's also great. And I, I can work like that sometimes, but because I, I absolutely hate deadlines. But mm. you know, if even if there's just like, yeah, it's a sort of deadline there, just so you can work towards that. So even if that's the point to work towards, but completely crash through it, at least we've got something to yeah. work with. So that kind of yeah, having a an earlier deadline, yeah, it's good. It's yeah, again, managing that yeah. that process. Yeah. Well, I, I was saying, I probably said to you at the time, your your box was one of my favourite boxes. I loved it. Oh, cheers! And, um, yeah, I, I, it's got that feel to painting that I really love, where uh, it's a bit drippy, and you had the call it like the Harlequin sort of design on it, but yeah, it was a bit drippy, diamonds. wasn't it? And, yeah, and, and sort of like. Almost like had a sticky looking feel to it. Yeah. And then you had your open it and you had your eyes. Dangly eyes. Dangly eyes, which which we'll see sort of are in this exhibition as well. The eyes are Yeah, the cartoon aren't they? Eyes, yeah. yeah. Quite prominent. Yeah. They they pop up in a lot of places. Yeah. So so with the eyes then, because they the, the eyes are a big part of what you're doing at the moment, aren't they? And are, are they a big part of what you've been doing for a little while or well, it all kind of all comes back to the cartoon character, Bugs Bunny. But it, like these particular cartoon comedy eyes, I think probably come from that. Yeah. With, which is what most of this work is about. It's, uh, we should probably mention that some of the eyes are actually testicles, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Is that right? Uh, if, yeah, it can be. If, you, <laughs> if that's what you say. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Oculoi Testi Mundi. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah, well, um, the, that title in itself has uh, multiple meanings. <laughs> so, o- Oculoi, Oculus, uh, Testi to Testify, as well oh, as okay. Testicle. But, uh, yeah, so it's the kind of... That actual form comes from... Well, there's the eyes from Bugs Bunny. Yeah. So it's all kind of like building up a, a visual language to kind of use and reinterpret and so in the prints and the paintings the eyes in the box mm. all kind of like have a connection and then there's this the serpentine line as well which is quite a not sure on the date but it's a few centuries ago mm. there's like a, a theory of beauty and aesthetics so going like to the golden ratio and things like that a serpentine line is a, a certain kind of curve right so it's off, it often comes up, so it's a really nice gestural kind of thing to do. And with, so the charcoal drawings that I was doing quite a bit before these and in painting as well, that line often appears. And it's okay. just like a really nice thing to do. Yeah. And getting the proportions is like great and kind of thing. But it, I was doing, I think I was probably researching Serpentine Line. Mm. Right right-clicking image search and things like that <laughs> is like a really good tool for yeah. artists so i mean that's one that's one of the things i do is research is i'll be looking around the internet at imagery but this particular one came up with um a da vinci drawing of anatomy mm. and dissection things like that mm. and there's one of the testes and it had that line in so right that, that is that form yeah. so it's been it's become quite relevant a visual mm. bit of language in my art, I suppose. But attaching that to the so eye eye testes yeah. testifying, seeing. <laughs> so there's a certain amount of like uh, being a, a male artist and yeah. the male gaze and the kind of like 
okay. looking, yeah. you know, with your testes, yeah, perhaps, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Um, Interesting. You know, if it it kind of really it really affects like the the kind of so the looking, perceiving, and then visual culture and that kind of production of art and yeah. other things. Obviously, in advertising, best thing in advertising is uh, sex sales, isn't it? And mm. I mean, like I suppose, like now that we're sort of touching on that subject, we're kind of going through that at the moment, really, aren't we? With the way that women are sort of being perceived and treated and yeah um yeah there's big changes i mean it's like a big change that seems to be happening really slowly you know it's it's a touchy subject to talk about really, <laughs> from a male point of view it's like yeah like sort of uh, uh, yeah i think with a certain amount of honesty uh which is perhaps missing in uh larger discourses of like the mass media and mainstream news and things like that you know it's like a really sort of unspoken thing, isn't it? Which has caused and causing lots of problems like we see. And yeah, I mean, uh, you see a lot of art that's unaware of, or like maybe not art, but visual culture that's kind of unaware of the base instincts of male gaze. And it's like, you know, you end up with like page three and things like that. So, I mean, you know, I'm not against looking at things, but no, no. it's just like <laughs> when it's exploitative yeah. or not good. Although, I mean, it's very painful moments for people, but the more these things come up, uh, the more they're spoke about, the more the more progress can be made, really. Yeah. It's like the Black Lives Matter. Yeah. You know, people show their bigotry, yeah. and then you know, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's unfortunate that's, that's the way it is, but... I'd, I'd rather know uh, people that are bigots. I think it's um, big moments like this that happen in history. Um, do they? They're slightly exposing mm. of certain people's thoughts, uh, where you may have known people for a long, long time, but then when these big moments occur, all of a sudden, certain certain beliefs get uncovered. Yeah, and you can be with somebody that you feel like you've known for a long time, and all of a sudden you realise actually <laughs> I don't know you that well. Yeah, and uh, I'm hearing some stuff right now that actually is, is, is worrying. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, and again, it's it's very subtly done, and almost it's almost uh, done in a way where it's, they're testing the water and uh, seeing your reaction. Um, I've certainly had to rethink some relationships that I've got with people over certain things, you know. I think it is, it slowly weeds out, you know, the, the sort of the rotten stuff that's in society. Yeah. But it is, it is a slow process, isn't it? It is, yeah. So, so, you're, so yours, uh, relating back to yours and your art then, you've got that kind of, the, the eyes and the gaze and uh, it's, it's like with eyes, they they follow you, don't they? So you can't get away from eyes. So you feel like you're being watched all the time. Yeah, they're quite. Um, it's a powerful form, isn't it? Yeah. The eye represented in culture, you know, the evil eye. All sorts of eyes go go back a long time. Yeah. As before I came here, I was looking at um, some of the older images that you sent me, and you have one called Gaze, 
Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Is that anything that's connected to you think to what you've done here or uh, this current stuff? That's yeah, yeah that's from it's 2016, and uh, you've got gaze. This is the very yeah. way of God. So I mean, you're thinking about eyes. There. Yeah, it's eyes there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I mean that that set of work was uh, a lot to do with mostly like woodcut imagery. Mm. So like early early modern, pre-modern, almost some medieval visual culture, you know, the very starts, starting point of, well, not starting point, but mass visual culture that was accessible to more people, taking imagery like that and representing it as paintings. But yeah, like that particular image. Yeah, so it's that kind of like all-seeing eye. Yeah. Um, I think, going back actually, there's... There's a book I've got of like, it's most, it's woodcuts and I can't remember the title of the book now, but it's demons and, not demonology, but demons, witches and something else, but it's all woodcuts and mm. kind of like historic visual culture. Yeah. And there's a, there's a picture in that actually where it's got, um, I think it's to do with the heavens and it's got these big curving round things and they've all got eyes on and I think that might have been I really like that image so mm. I think that and other imagery like that sort of religious stuff as well and recently I'd never even seen this until um, I think it was this Christmas someone shared on Instagram the, uh, what a, a biblical angel looks like okay I've never actually seen that before yes yeah. I was like oh look at that and it, I don't know if you've seen it Itself, but it's all like wings and eyes yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So it's like, you know, that multiple eye. And combined with the kind of thinking of um, surveillance and internet and all those kind of things that are going on as well. So, you know, there's a lot of like camera eyes that, you know, we just live with now. Like, yeah, probably like, so probably a couple of eyes on the screens here. <laughs> Not really thinking about, but you know, there's true. these eyes everywhere, isn't there? <clears throat> I mean, that is really true, yeah. Sort of, you, you can't really be out in the world now without being watched, can you? No, kind of per pervasive eyes. Uh, yeah, so it's quite a. I should have to have a look. Have <laughs> 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 uh, Yeah. yeah as, well, as a theme, I think, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, sort of uh, one that goes through, yeah. As well as the comedy of like, yeah. Well, so nice. Yeah. So I think you it's said to me um, a little while back, there's this whole, there's a whole trickster, yeah, mentality going on here. Sort of like a play, playful sort of. Is it a menacing trickster or is it a fun trickster or is it what sort of trickster are we looking at here? Yeah. Well, um, the the kind of the trickster archetype, I suppose that's that's kind of what I'm interested in. So. The visual culture surrounding that, mm. uh, but also, so the idea of trickster is mischievous, playful, destructive, all those kinds of things, but in a kind of like social renewal way. Yeah. So, in terms of like making art, it's kind of the surrealness and the kind of like weird cartoon physics, I guess, and things like that. There's a kind of trickery, an optical mm. trickery. Mm. So that's like what I'm doing, I guess. Yeah. But the language is around the visual culture of the trickster, which in this 
case, or at the moment is uh, Bugs Bunny, his comedy self yeah. <laughs> animations. But uh, other, I mean, previous work has involved Puck or Robin Goodfellow yeah. as a trickster character. Going back to the 16th century as, a, as an image of Puck and seems to be like the first, the earliest example. It's okay. anonymous and um, obviously Puck comes up in Shakespeare's. Yeah, because yeah. that's where I, I would know it from, not yeah. from earlier. Yeah, exactly. Most, mostly what we know or think of as Puck comes from that. Yeah. But he was a, you know, um, a folk character or archetype right. before that. So, I mean, going, you know, back to the start of visual cultural things mm. and re- reproduced visuals. So in terms of like, I mean, obviously got mass image reproduction now with mass media and communication technologies, but back then mm. it was things like the printing press yeah. and pamphlets and the odd book or stained glass windows in churches yeah. and things like that. So it's quite interesting that kind of, oh, it's old, so it, you know, it must be more genuine. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's just interesting that interpretation. And to think that as a, a printmaker, artist, 400, 500 years ago, doing, making that yeah. from their imagination and, you know, wherever they got their ideas of mm. that from. It's a real sort of historical, archaeological kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so with that in mind, is, um, you obviously identify with that sort of thing. So uh, what, what sort of, you know, looking at your art, which I really, really love, what sort of art and artist do you identify with? Uh, uh, well, in terms of like, like going back a bit, maybe like influential kind of artist really, I suppose, is uh, George Gross, mm. the German kind of like surreal dada caricatures and sort of social critique artist. Well, obviously pre-Nazification, but on the road to that, he, right. he did a lot of like quite, there's uh, a certain amount of grotesque caricatures and a little bit cartoony as well, but like critical kind of commentary about mm. <laughs> the way things were going, so power structures, like yeah. the state and... And were the they easily recognisable within the art or, or is that a sort of an interpretation of the art? No, it's quite quite blatant when you see them and they're like 1920s, 30s, you're like, yeah, that could be today. Mm, that's still yeah. relevant and that's still like, just really good. If I was going to make a painting, I'd like it to look like that sort of thing. Oh, okay, cool. That kind yeah. of aspiration, I suppose. So that, I mean, kind of uh, that comedy, satirical satire, but, you know, quite serious satire. Yeah. Doing it in a nice way that's funny, perhaps. Do you find that's the kind of comedy that you veer towards as well? Uh, like uh, something I love at the moment or uh, influential in thinking is like Stuart Lee's comedy. Oh, yeah, he's brilliant, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I love him, yeah. Uh, he can spend like just 15 minutes on just the sa- he's saying the same word. And yeah. Like, Why is that funny? I don't know. It's, like, it's so good, yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, if, uh, that's, 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 I would come back to him quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if I feel a bit like, oh, I can't be fucked at the moment or a bit down or something, then I'll put Stuart Lee on. Yeah. So but yeah, good. I think he's great. I love him. Yeah. 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 So I'm at uh, Gate. It's right on the cusp of like, you know, people aren't quite getting this and walking yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wasn't so, it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, 
that kind of satirical, quite harsh satirical, but really truth telling. Yeah. Uh, you know, in terms of trickster, that's yeah. that's why definitely I really like that. It's, he did a really good, not a lecture, but a kind of like at a university somewhere. He was talking about, I think it was comedy, or he was doing some sort of speech, but mm. might have been literature related. And he was saying how what's changed. So, like in the 80s, when you could, like, you could basically sort of get by and either, like, be on the dial or you could rent somewhere and live on a normal wage and mm. it was doable and you could do your comedy and if that, you know, whatever, whatever creative pursuits you were doing. Yeah. Um, you could just kind of survive doing that. But now, like, that's completely, you can't. No. It's really interesting to see how that's changed in terms of, like, alternative comedy for him, but like in arts and creative mm. pursuits and theatre and all those things. How, how it is now, it's like ridiculously <laughs> difficult. <laughs> Actually, a lot of these comics are quite good at art, aren't they? So yeah. some fairly good artists Crossover. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in Bristol, there was one of the final year shows. There was actually a, a comedy stand-up routine. Oh, was there? Girl had done, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's really... I, I was like a first year then, but yeah. I was like, oh, that's really good. Yeah. So she, she did art. As a, I yeah. mean, she did. She was doing art, but yeah. her final piece was a, yeah. was a stand-up routine. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. That's <laughs> good, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, was there any sort of connection to visual art within it? Or was it just literally yeah. she just did stand-up? I think, yeah, there was a little bit of sort of documentation I think yeah kind of end, but yeah it was more the yeah brilliant has yeah. she gone on to be a comedian or not? I don't know yeah, yeah. I don't know I have to have a look so I remember what her name it's brave was. isn't it yeah it is yeah she kind of she'd found her way to it yeah. quite organically and it yeah. was like a surprise to her but yeah that kind of yeah I suppose it, it's an art form isn't it yeah it is um, it doesn't always have to be something that's uh, visual I guess. You can, no, yeah. no. Um, the, the kind of crossovers of critical engagement with society and satire and comedy, some of the art theory I look at is, you know, Theatre of the Absurd and Nietzsche and Birth of Tragedy and mm. things like that. So there's, they're kind of like more theatre related in some ways, really. Yeah. That's and, interesting. Um, so let's we sort of try and do maybe sort of quickfire ones, like yeah. you know. So, um, what makes you angry? Everything. <laughs> let's just leave that there. <laughs> uh, no, well, not everything, but yeah. uh, unfairness, really, yeah. exploitation, inequality, most most politics right now. Yeah. What about the opposite? What makes what gets you happy? What makes you laugh? Making art, really, and uh, going to the pub. Yeah, which you can't do at the moment. Bit of long time. <laughs> yeah. No, um, yeah, just like... Is drinking at home the same? I mean, do you, are you drinking at home or not? Uh, occasionally. Yeah. Like, sometimes I feel like, oh, I'll have a drink, but yeah. not not really. I mean, the, the, kind of, the in-between bits of lockdown, um, we was going to the park and having some cans yeah. at the park uh, on a summer's day, which was brilliant. 
but um, yeah, about that was. I mean, we're going to appreciate all this so much more, aren't we, when we get back to it properly? Yeah. What if if you weren't doing this? What would you be doing? What well, if I wasn't doing art? Mm. <sighs> Don't know really. Probably have uh, a well-paid job. Uh, <laughs> nice career. Yeah. Uh, be a CEO of some company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like to think that whatever I put my hand to, I'd be good at. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll give you an example. Really. I, I uh, not that I would ever really want to do it, but I actually think I'd be quite good at a t- being a teacher. Uh, yeah, that's not something I'd ever really want to do, but I, I think, um, I think I've got the cap- I've got the tools for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, for a while, I, that was something I thought I could probably do, and especially in terms of art teaching art, you've got to give it everything. Yeah, jobs, definitely. Isn't it? Yeah, I think it's in between because I've got an eight-year-old and an eighteen-year-old, so or nineteen she is now. But like those two scales of the spectrum, I think probably doable it's what comes in between yeah. those where i think probably teaching gets a lot harder nowadays um, um oh one thing i was going to ask you you mentioned music and i was interested to know do you have a certain style of music that you like to listen to what inspires you musically to do art or do you just it's all on what what you fancy at the at the moment yeah that i mean that's that's one of those questions that like what's your favorite kind of music sort yeah. of thing which um you know, I like good music, so <laughs> like in my opinion. So for me, to me, like a good example of this would be when I'm in my own studio of the painting wall. So yeah. that's, that's something I really miss at the moment, <clears throat> having a big wall to paint on and having some music on. And you know, if there's no one else in the studios to annoy with my music, especially, it's it's good to have it up loud. Mm. A good one I go back to a lot is uh, Nine Inch Nails. Okay. Uh, live at Lollapalooza Festival, I think it's 2013 or something. Okay. It's got a good good mixture of like old tunes and new tunes. Yeah. And it's really, like, really good because some Nine Inch Nails is a bit too dark, perhaps sometimes. Yeah. This is like just really good cracking set. Yeah. So that's something I go back to a lot. And then I guess from, from my era growing up, there's a lot of grunge and kind of Seattle-based bands. Yeah. Soundgarden and Screaming Trees, like Pearl Jam and Nirvana mm. and those ones, but yeah. Hater as well, all that kind of stuff. That's what I grew up with. But then the beauty of being in Northampton, there was a, a good rave scene here as well. Yeah. So, you know, got a good uh, liking of dance music, but particularly drum and bass and uh, kind of jump up drum and bass in the 90s. Old school. Yeah, yeah. So, like, with drum and bass, there's, there's an interesting kind of, like, the break beats in that and the quantized beats. It's really good. Mm. I guess it's like jazz and other things like that. Yeah. But, you know, to get in that zone, the creative zone, that kind of stuff. And um, one that's been all the way through is Aphex Twin as well. Okay. I mean, lots of people say Aphex Twin now, but it's like, mm. you know listening to him since I was a kid to, doing the GCSEs and A-level yeah. uh, revision with Aphex Twin on. <laughs> yeah, so... I imagine um, making art and listening to music is a, is a crossover for a lot of people, I should imagine. Like that sort of, you know, what's going to inspire me today? You know, am I going to listen to something that's a bit more 
avant-garde or a bit more loud or a bit more brash or something a bit smoother? What sort of yeah. what am I what am I actually trying to create? So if I put on uh, like if I want to create something that's kind of crazy and just sort of like drips and splashes and all over the place, am I going to put on something that's like it's going to make me do that or? You know, because you're probably not going to listen to something like really chill when you do that. You probably want something that's going to really make your brain fizz. Yeah, I think it goes hand in hand, really. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. Um, well, it's been a really great chat, Alex. One thing I sort of said to you about, like, was like this other podcast that I listened to. Where at the end, they do like a one cool thing. I don't know if you managed to think of anything along something that you found inspiring recently. It doesn't matter what it is, just something that you think people might be interested in. My mate, he's been doing a, um, a live stream, drum and bass live stream on a Friday night. Yeah. Listen to it, it's quite a good bit. He, he got a, a, an amazing tune the other day that he uh, played, and it's been one of those tunes I've had to keep putting on. Yeah. <laughs> to get, well, I had it on here the other day. What's it called? Oh, yeah, Trace and uh, Nico, Replicant. Yeah, it's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, it's proper. Yeah, proper drum and bass. Nice dark bit of energy. I'll check that out as well. Um, mine is, um, and it, I nearly said it earlier because you mentioned Angel Wings. But um, are you into horror? Oh, really? Yeah, but, I can bit. take it or leave it. But yeah. there's a film that everyone raved about, sort of towards the end of last year, called Saint Maud. And uh, so I put it on the other night. God, it it, it was good. There's some pretty horrific things that happen in it, but it's. It's, it's a British film. Uh, I'd say it was fairly low budget. A female director, but I can't remember her name now. And it's sort of, it centres around this woman who is a carer for people who are sort of like at the end of life. Something obviously awful happened when she was, she used to work in hospital. Something awful happened with her there. And uh, she comes out of that and she goes into this caring thing. But she, in the meantime, she discovers God, but in a very obsessive way. <laughs> there are some incredible moments in it that sort of incorporate the you know angel symbolism oh, and it's done really really well and all I can say is if you watch this film make sure you stick it right to the very very last nanosecond and there's just like this complete last frame basically it's just one frame really which is like mind-blowing yeah mind-blowing yeah so I loved that so that was St Maud so that's my nice. that's my hot take yeah yeah. So, Alex Small, thanks very much. Uh, well, so we'll see your work at Hatbox yep. as of the 13th of April. Um, and at the moment, obviously, if you want to come and see the art, we're going to have to sort of maybe do a booking. We could do that Sundays, maybe Mondays. But if, uh, if you're a client at Hatbox, because it is a hairdresser's as well, um, you know, you'll be able to kind of come and look, get your hair done and see the art, you know, and... Tell us what you think. Thanks, Alex. That's all right. Thanks for being asked. Asking me.